You know, some days life can be quite overwhelming. Some days because of uncertainty, because of heartache, because of sadness, because of sickness and death. Some days can be very overwhelming. Some days we may even find ourselves asking God some very heart-wrenching, serious questions. Some days we may find ourselves asking questions, well, similar. Similar to the question that Jesus asked while He was on the cross, giving His life for the sins of all mankind. AJ, where you at, AJ? Did a wonderful job with the Scripture. I'm not even going to attempt that part. God said, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These last words of Jesus are certainly words that I think many of us can relate to. Maybe it's in a moment when you hear the boss say, thank you for your time, but we're not going to need you any longer. Maybe it's when the bank says no funds available. Maybe it's when sickness and aches and pain just never seem to go away. Maybe it's when your family is being absolutely torn in two. Maybe it's when you are grieving the loss of someone that you love absolutely dearly. Maybe it's in any one of those moments and so many other moments that we face in this life that we may find ourselves saying, God, God, where are You? Was, but was Jesus alone? Had God the Father abandoned Him in this most difficult moment in His life? Well, there are some that would say that God is holy. And because God is holy, He certainly can have no part with sin. Therefore, as Jesus took on the sin of mankind, God could not even watch. He couldn't even be a part of that. So there was a literal separation of Father and Son in this moment. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe this is meant to be a moment to help us really see how horrific sin really is. Maybe this is a moment when Father and Son are literally torn in two. And there is no question that God can have no part of sin that God is not going to accept it. God is not going to tolerate sin. God is not going to ignore sin. God is never going to turn a blind eye to sin. God is never going to just act as though it doesn't exist. But was there a complete separation of the Father and Son? Was Jesus abandoned by God in that moment? Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the, the very first who committed sin. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. And when we go back to the Garden of Eden, and I'm sure you remember 
while they hid from God, God didn't hide from them. Even though they had sinned, He went looking for them. We pick up here in Genesis 3, beginning of verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? So God did not turn from them. He was looking for them. Would there be consequences to their actions? Would there be consequences for the sin they committed? Absolutely. And probably one of the greatest consequences that they faced, they were kicked out of the garden. They no longer had that personal walk with you in the garden kind of relationship with God that they had always had. In verse 23 it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. But did God abandon them? No. As a matter of fact, before these consequences were put into place, <laughs> He still took care of them. He still provided for their most basic need. You go back to verse 21, it says, The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Okay, well what about God in the flesh? Well, what about Jesus? When He was here on earth, how did He approach sinners? Did He run from them? Did He hide from them? Did He avoid them? No. No. He was still in their presence. Very much so. You know, there was, there was that time. He was at a well with a woman. And he, and he asked this woman to give Him water. And you know what? She had been married five times before. And the man that she was currently with wasn't even her husband. And did you know that Jesus, man, Jesus washed the feet of the very man that he knew was going to betray him. He turned him over to those Roman soldiers for just pieces of silver. And, and did you know that, man, he showed some amazing compassion. He showed compassion to a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Time and time again, we see the mercy of our Savior as He interacted with sinful people. Jesus said in Luke 5, beginning in verse 31, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God didn't come in the flesh to avoid sinners. He came in the flesh to save sinners. To draw near to them and to save them. And thankfully for us, He was so comfortable with sinners, He became known as a friend of sinners. 
The Son of Man, Jesus said. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Maybe God, the Father, on that day, maybe He was more like a, a, a parent. A distraught parent in a, a doctor's office who just couldn't stand to watch the pain anymore. And he turns away. You've probably been there as a parent, right? You, you've been in the doctor's office. You know that what they're doing to your child in that moment, you know how painful it must be. You hear their cries. You see their pain. Maybe you're holding their hand. Maybe you look away, but you don't walk out of the room. You're still there. I remember many years ago, a precious little boy who I've already put to sleep. <laughs> when he was just a few months old, he was very, very sick, and many of you prayed for him. And I can never thank you enough for those prayers. One of the treatments that he had to go through, though, he had to have a, a feeding tube put in his nose. And again, he was just months old. And I will never forget the moment of having to stand there I, I was holding his shoulders and his arms and Rebecca was having to hold his little legs as the doctors proceeded to put this tube down his nose. No anesthesia. He wasn't unconscious. He, he was too little for any of that. I can still hear his screams. I can still hear his cries. I can still, I can still see how much pain he was in. I looked away. I never let go of my little boy. But I looked away. Because it was just too hard to look at that pain. See that agony. You know what I wanted to do? <laughs> I wanted to say, stop! You're hurting him! Quit! I wanted to push the doctor away. And say, don't you see what you're doing to him? But I knew that wouldn't be the best thing. I knew that wouldn't be the right thing. I think as parents, many of us have been in similar situations. It hurts. It breaks our hearts. But we don't abandon our children. Jesus said... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I know that sounds like a question, right? It sounds like he's questioning God. But, but remember, a question is just a question. A question is not a statement. A question is just a question. It doesn't mean that that's the reality of what's happened. Maybe, maybe it just means it's how he felt in the moment. Maybe he was able to be very real and very honest and very vulnerable with God in that moment. I can't help but think of Hebrews 4 and verse 15. Where we're told we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but, but one who is, or in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knew, he knew what it was like to feel overwhelmed. 
He knew what it was like to feel alone. He knew what it was like to feel abandoned. He knew what it was like to feel all these things. Jesus is not only our Redeemer. He not only has redeemed us, He understands us. And so whenever we speak to God and we're going through those heart-wrenching moments, those uncertain days, you ever had a day? A week? A month? You ever gone through a period where maybe in your prayer you just find yourself saying, God, where are you? There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. You're not going to hurt God's feelings. He's not going to be offended by you feeling alone. Because all of us go through those moments. All of us have those times in life where we feel alone. The reality of the words that Jesus spoke that we know for sure is He was quoting Scripture. He, he was actually quoting Psalm 22 and verse 1. That's what He was saying. Have you ever taken the time to read Psalm 22? If you're like me, most of you went, oh, I know Psalm 23, right? Like your mind automatically went back to Psalm 23, which is a beautiful psalm. But the psalm right before that, Psalm 22, let's take a moment this morning and, and let's, let's read this together. And again, this is the first verse that Jesus said here. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver him. Let Him rescue him, for He delights in him. Yet you are He who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a, a raving and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. That should ring a bell, by the way. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you 
You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him, all you offspring of Israel. For He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard when He cried to Him, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and He rules over the nation. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before Him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve Him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn that He has done it. It may seem to be a question of accusation. But what it really is is the first verse of a psalm that's praising God for how good He is. That God is faithful in all circumstances. And I can't help but wonder as any of the Jews who may have been in earshot as Jesus spoke those words, I can't help but wonder how many of them immediately, their mind and their hearts went back to this psalm. And even as He started it with those first words of, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? I wonder how many of them immediately went back to this psalm. And they began to speak it to themselves. In the same way, in the same way that for many of us, if I were to get up here and say, the Lord is my shepherd, automatically we'd go, I shall not want. Because that psalm is so ingrained in our head and in our heart. By quoting the psalm, this first verse of this psalm, the message is quite clear. That God, God is still in control. When life is hard, God is still good. When you feel like you're alone, God is still here. God is still always much closer than what we may think. When life is hard, when life is hard, sometimes we want to blame God. We're looking for somebody to blame. We're good at passing the buck, right? When life is hard, there are typically one of three reasons why we're experiencing hard times. One, one is because of our own choices. We have made foolish and poor choices in life, and as a result of it, we are suffering the consequences of our own actions, and there is no one to blame but ourselves. And I know that's our least favorite of all of them, because we typically we want to be able to point the finger at somebody else and say, they did this or they did that, but the reality is so much of the pain and the hurt and the suffering that we go through in this life it is so much more self-inflicted than what we want to acknowledge. Another place that hurt comes is when other people do hurt us. Because that does happen. Sometimes people do things, it hurts us, it impacts our life, it's beyond our control. We go through the pain and the suffering that comes with it. Other times, it's just life. It's not even necessarily what we've done to ourselves or somebody's done directly to us. It's just life. 
going back to Adam and Eve, really huge consequence of that sin, ever since then life has been broken. (laughs) And we continue to live in a broken world. And because we live in a broken world, there will always be pain, suffering, heartache, and death. But you know what I know for certain? Even in those moments when I'm not real sure if it's my fault, somebody else's fault, or just the fault of the world, I know for certain it's not God's fault. That I know for certain. It is never God's fault. God's desire is never to hurt us. In actuality, there's a lot of good life lessons that we can learn from the pain of life. In actuality, there, there's a lot of moments when if we will allow Him to, God can bring a lot of good from the pain and the suffering and the heartache and the loss of this life. He can bring a lot of good from that if we'll allow Him to. There are moments in my life when I have strayed. There are moments in my life, that word strayed, by the way, that means that, that's a moment when I walked away from God. I abandoned him. He's never abandoned me. Never abandoned you. He never will. You can trust him. You can trust that he will never leave you or forsake you. You can trust that even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He will be right there with you the whole time. He is not going to abandon you. Sometimes when we go through the hurt of this life, people don't always draw nearer to God in those moments the way that they could and should. When we go through the hurt and the pain of this life, oftentimes we take that and we walk away from God instead of drawing closer to God. First thing is there, we walk away from God. Remember that? We're the one who kind of leaves Him in those moments. But the reason we do that is because in our mind, in the mind of a hurt person, oftentimes the conclusion we come to is, I'm leaving God because God already left me. But that's not true. God never left you. You may walk away from Him. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He will always see you through. So don't give up on God. Don't quit on God. You continue to live a life for Him. Continue to believe in Him. And know, know that He can take even the most heart-wrenching pain and hurt of this life. And he can take it and something wonderful. Something wonderful can come from it if you'll allow it to. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're going through some of the heartaches of life. Maybe this morning you feel alone. Maybe this morning you don't feel like God is with you. And I hope if you don't leave here today with anything else, I, I hope that you at least leave with the assurance of knowing that He will never abandon you. But maybe you're at a point in life where you need to come back to Him. His arms are always open. He's always welcome for us to come home. Maybe you're going through something in life as a, as a Christian. 
You just need the prayers. You need the support. You need the love of your church family right now as you go through these difficult times, as you try to keep your faith rooted in Christ and not become so discouraged and distraught that you walk away from God. We can help you with this or any needs you might have. Won't you come as we stand and sing?